innocent bystanders who were just out for a day's hike and all of a sudden they see my fat body running with a Reagan mask on through the woods. <laughs> Tear down this wall! <laughs> The 80s will truly come back when that moment happens. Can I just tell you how good it is to have new headphones? Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. What headphones did you get? Exact same pair. Now, are these the the normal ones that you just plug in, or are these the fancy wireless Sony ones that you lost? The normal ones that you plug in. I still, to this day, do not know where the, those Sony headphones went. Like, me and Aaron have looked. Yeah. They have vanished. I'm, like, worried that maybe I threw them out by accident when I had COVID. <laughs> when I was just cleaning out my space because, you know, raw, there's darkness. There. Yeah, that I just wasn't thinking because, you know, 105-degree temperature. Yeah. And I threw them. And if I did that, boy, oh, boy, COVID Luke. Ugh, didn't expect you to harm me, but here we are. <laughs> I thought COVID Luke would be a fun COVID Luke. <laughs> you were, you know, you were supposed to be a fun multiverse version of myself. <laughs> you were supposed to bring balance to Luke's life, not destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Luke, I'm into a new YouTube thing. Can I tell you about it? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. So it, it dumped wait, it. wait, really, yes. really quick. Do I have a choice? No, but it's a shorter, <laughs> simpler version. Okay. 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 Sorry. Go on. <laughs> That's what Shannon calls certain things in your life. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Um, okay. So <laughs> this is this is bizarre. Um, so Father David works at my church, and he's been uh, just just a delight in his Wonderful. overwhelming zeal to serve his people. But in, he does. It's 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 impressive. In that overwhelming zeal, I mean, the man literally works fourteen to eighteen hours a day. In that overwhelming zeal, his office is what the Germans would call a pigsty. The Schlubengarven. And um, I am shocked. <laughs> I am shocked that Father David Huss' office isn't clean. Yeah. Well, it's not that it's dirty. It's that it's no, no, no. cluttered. <laughs> cluttered. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So I remember college. Yeah, yeah. So take that and add five bookshelves worth of books. That are, but he only has three bookshelves. So the rest of the books are just in various places. So at our church, we um, tend not to be very aggressive when it comes to technology, unless you're in youth ministry and you're like, I'm just going to get a Mac. And the IT guy goes, All right, well, I can't do anything for it. And you're like, That's fine. Like, no, no, I don't want you to. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Um, no, so our IT guys, they're all great, but they do the, like, once you go Dell, it's like that old saying, you never get fired for uh, buying IBM. Well, you never get fired for buying Dell. The idea is, I need more. <laughs> I am I am unencumbered with tiny screens and tiny desktops and tiny things. So Father David, his desk is very cluttered, and he's got a two-monitor, very small two-monitor setup. And I have begun a YouTube deep dive. No, I've done this before. I've done this before. But uh, a YouTube deep dive into the world of, like, office setups. <laughs> so so but but i mostly the people who make youtube videos about their office setups there are three categories of people one interior designers who are decorators and doing all that stuff that ain't me number two hardcore gamers where they have their you know gaming battle station rig sitting on their desk and then three is like uh professionals who work from home all the time or a weird subsection of that uh, people getting their uh, MDs and all the research that they do at home, they, they go all out. 
And uh, so, Luke, to put it shortly, I've rearranged my entire office. I've decluttered so much stuff. I've uh, I, I've begun trying to work on systems of making my stuff more organized so that I can help Father David. And then uh, then I just bought LED strips that I can change the colors with my iPhone so that I can have a purple and blue and orange background like all those sick YouTube gamers. Because my influence was the gamers, buddy. My influence was the gamers. That's the route yeah. I'm going down. I actually am. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued by uh, feng shui. You remember that from from the '90s? A good trend. Uh, just in terms of office, because I, I like going to an office and it's feeling like, oh, I like being here, as opposed to like, no, oh, this feels very, you know, lifeless. Right. Right. Much like your I, capitalism. Right. No, your uh, bland corporate beige everything. Yeah. 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 So are there any videos that you saw that's like, oh, hey, if you're into that stuff, this is what you should watch? If by that stuff you mean video game battle stations, then no. <laughs> no, there were a handful of, like, interior, like literally Katiri, Father David came over and Katiri's first things out of her, first thing after saying, like, hi, was my daddy's been watching a bunch of YouTube videos on office stuff so that he can help you make your office, what did you call it, daddy? Less horrible and revolting? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Katiri. Thanks, Katiri. You're the best. You're the best. But no, they do. They Okay, so a lot of those places they talk about, you know, the layout, the scheme. You really just got to envision it. And I'm a big fan. I'm on this kick, man, of uh, Von Balthazar and Jordan Peterson. Like, you got to make it beautiful. Take one space in your life and just make it beautiful. And he tells about his work office, what a travesty it was. And I can't unsee it in my office. So I have spent three weeks, like, ripping through my office at work and getting stuff, getting rid of stuff, simplifying, cleaning up, trying to do this. It's still not what I want, but it's getting there. And I have a lot more traditional sacred art and different things. Like someone gave me an icon of Christ the teacher, which I did indeed cry when they gave it to me because that was a very thoughtful gift. I don't know how to lay it out. And right now it's like it's – I don't know if you – if vomit, icon vomit is a thing, but I've done that to my walls where I have just a bunch of stuff. Yeah, Friend, golden ratio, do a bit of a deep dive into that. And it's a world of difference. Golden ratio. All right. Just this is all I'm going to say. That, that'll that help you frame your pictures and stuff. I mean, not frame them in the actual, like, here's the frame. I mean, how you yeah. arrange them on your walls. Mm. Okay. Golden ratio. It's uh, I did a deep dive into that one time. I was like, oh, cool. And I've, I have, uh, I'm, I've got that on my wall right now. With uh, So I have, these, um, I have an image of um, Balthasar of St. John Paul II and of uh, Blessed Carl of Austria that uh, Aaron Merrick made. And uh, I use um, golden ratio to get the ones that I wanted there, and uh, it's it's it works. It's cool. It works. All right. What is that called? The Fer- Fer- Fernelli. Uh, yeah. Anywho, golden ratio. Okay. Golden ratio. Woo! All right. That was a simple dive. Yeah. There we go. That was fun. That was fun. Well, good night, everyone. patreoncom slash CF. Thanks. Thanks for the headphones. That's what your support does. Helps us get headphones. Patreon.com slash CF. Uh, all right. Excellent, Luke. Speaking of Patreon, I have three Patreon questions for you. Ooh, okay. Go on. Go on, my friend. <clears throat> three questions after this most recent episode of Catching Foxes. If anyone knows Christopher West or any such expert, do me a solid and pass these along. Number one. Hey, friends. Gomer here. And let me tell you, my life has been absolutely insane lately. A lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. So let me ask you this very important question. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? 
We have suffered greatly. And it is amazing to know that counselors, trained professional counselors, this is not crisis line, but the people at BetterHelp.com, that's H-E-L-P, BetterHelp, can actually assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, someone to talk to in the midst of the malaise. You can start communicating with a therapist in under 48 hours. Okay, this is professional counseling done securely online. You could do it via video chat. You can log in anytime into your account and send a message to your counselor. And this is for clients worldwide. And they have a broad range of expertise available, which may not be available locally in many areas. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free of charge to change counselors if needed. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't ever have to sit in that incredibly uncomfortable waiting room again. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier, healthier life today. Guys, the barrier to entry is so low. Visit BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash foxes and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. This podcast has been sponsored by BetterHelp and Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash foxes. Number one, what are the rules around dressing up or doing anything unusual like that with sex between a married couple? Hmm. Um, as far as I'm aware, as long as it's not degrading to the human person, like, game on. So, Luke, in your marriage, uh, who wears the soccer jersey? <laughs> <laughs> I will be the German goalie, and you are the stout American <laughs> forward. <laughs> no, no. Tonight, I'd like to be a false nine. I don't know what that means. I've never. That's yeah, a person who has both as a forward and a on the, and a on the midfielder. Kind of did oh. a little bit of both. So they go both ways. Okay, false nine mm-hmm. yeah. goes both ways. Yeah, false okay. nine goes both ways. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> all i can think of is like people that like i've been telling at work that i have a podcast who are listening now and they're just gonna like what like sarah rogers mom somehow stumbled into the uh latin masses magic a- episode who goes to uh one of international church and also mayors and she said sarah text was like why why all the f-words <laughs> and i was like bobby i don't know <laughs> i don't know things things got out of control but you know what there were left f words than the uh, one the part of the episode that got burned. So just accept it. Just accept it. Okay, let me ask you. Let me ask you a couple quick questions. Wait, what are what are your thoughts on that? Well, no, no, I'm I'm asking questions within the question to get clarity okay, on sure, you. Sorry, sorry, and then sorry, you yep. can reframe it back to me. Okay, have right. you ever bought sexy stuff for your uh, marital life? No, no, no. Sexy. I'm not filling out an online survey on Buzz, Buzzfeed while I'm doing this. No sexy stuff. <laughs> Okay, have you ever gotten sexy for sex? Because I think about it, men buy women, like sometimes men buy women lingerie, and it's like, here, I bought this sexy thing, you put this on for me, and then the woman looks at the man and says, what, are you going to wear those boxers with the holes in them? You know, like men never do that. You say, yes, yes, I am. Yes. Have you ever purchased items for bedroom happy time that was just to be like, hey, girl, look at me. No. Have you? No. No No sexy stuff. All right. Now, uh, have you ever ever put on a mask or uh, a helmet? No. I'm very boring, I guess. (laughs) 
You are. You are. I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. Anywho. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Do you have any questions for me? Uh, w- thoughts on outfits. <laughs> thoughts on outfits. What a funny thing. I'm literally blushing from ear to ear right now just thinking of having to say that. But I will say this. Okay. Because we're honest. We're authentic. Luke, no one's listening. It's just me and you talking. We're friends. Uh, no. No, but but there's a but. I was like, there's a but. There's something else here. <laughs> but uh, my uh, oh gosh, I don't want to make my wife mad at me, but I will say there are make her mad at you. Okay, fine. There is lingerie. There is a lot of lingerie in the gormley uh, in the gormley spicy center of bliss and perfection. Right? There's a lot of stuff like that. Nice, but, nice. But nothing else. I mean, uh, other than my Ronald Reagan mask that she makes me wear <laughs> literally every time. Literally every... I have to wear a full suit. I have to wear the same kind of tie that he used to wear. And then uh, she makes me try to do impressions. You, after a while... And just say, say no to drugs. <laughs> after a while, she told me to stop because I wasn't very good. But... <laughs> About the whole thing, not just the impression, the sex, too. So <laughs> He's like, I thought this would make it better. I was wrong. All right, let's go back and rework this. Okay. Um, uh, and no, I, I have no sexy stuff. I have, I have no sexy, other than my carefully groomed facial hair. Are we boring? I'm, I'm not boring. Well, here's the, here's the, is your wife bored? I don't think so. Is yours? No. No, 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 no. Did you ask her these these questions? No, not these in particular, but but I know for a fact she's not. And I know for a fact because we're waiting for surgeries and we're in between surgeries. And that part of our life has not existed because of all the horribleness. And uh, and it won't for another like <laughs> another three, four weeks. Uh, and uh, and and I know she's missing it in a in a big way, as am I. So I would mm, say that. That's uh, tough. Yeah, it really sucks. It really sucks. It is. It does. Yeah. No, it, and I, I think uh, uh, that's why I go to, I think why I think it's good to talk about it because there's a, a silent suffering that can go on w- w- with things like that. That, uh, you know, um, yeah. it sucks. Yeah, very silent, especially because we're screamers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel so uncomfortable. I'm asking it with humor. <laughs> Okay, uh, question number two. You ready? Yep. Wait, wait. Okay. So, so like yeah. outfits? Oh, yeah. Not please, wrong. Please. Like, in, no, they're in, not wrong. Yeah, Why yeah. would they be wrong? But I, I like your caveat. Unless they're degrading or humiliating, right? Like, as long as you're both cool with it. The issue is, well, the issue is number one. You don't want, even if it's consensual. Like, yes, I agree to be your. You know, dress up like a dog and crawl on my hands and knees all day. <laughs> While she's going, what does the fox say? And you're just like, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> I think there, I think there is an intrinsic degrading, a subjective and an objective side. Like there are people who like things rough in the bedroom, and when you talk to people who are, uh, you know, I've been known to watch a CSI Las Vegas, and they will have this reoccurring dominatrix character. And her thing is, you don't know what you're talking about until you've, until the veil has fallen and you've actually indulged it. Then you can't go back. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's what mortal sin is like. <laughs> like, and it should be this thing that's a barrier. And then you cross over, and now you're like, all is lost. I'm a snowball going down the hill, becoming an avalanche. Like, there's this element of, of a forbidden desire that is like, it's forbidden because maybe 
you know, for a million different reasons. But there also is that element, I think, of objective uh, degradation. So, for instance, you know, all the stuff that's super popular in that world of, you know, degrading and and uh, slave type stuff, like hitting all the stuff that made Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, which me and my girlfriends watched uh, over and over again in the movie theater. It was so beautiful. But uh, no, th- that type of stuff, uh, to me, I think is an expression of anti-love. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, meaning meaning it's uh, a way of expressing desire and lust in a, in the most non-loving way possible. It's. I think what makes sex so interesting is there's very there, it is both a gift and also like and also self-serving. And the gift is the mm-hmm. primary part, but it's not in the sense of. But the gift should be enjoyable. You know, like like it's not, like it's not a thing. Like, I mean, because all like, um, consent when you're really not in the mood for, it, or really like just, or if you're in a place emotionally or in your head, like I, I just I can't um, do this. Like, but I guess I'll be a gift for you. I'm like, I don't know if that's really fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, well, like that, that's that's what I mean by like it's in the sense of like there should be it should be enjoyable, but it is also but it's primarily a gift, but it should be enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not using it to dominate the other. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Any other questions? Any other things within that no, you want to explore? No, no. I mean, yes, but no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, eyes wide shut. Okay, uh, number two. <laughs> if an elderly. Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. If an elderly couple, uh, married couple, wants to continue to express their love, is this guy allowed to use Cialis or Viagra or its various uh, discontents? As far as I'm aware, yeah, absolutely. There's no reason why they wouldn't. Listen, four out of five men experience erectile dysfunction at some point in their lives, right? So medicine is there to help. Uh, to help it go through, you know, to to make things function the way, yeah. Uh, towards their end, right? Because yes, like I mean, it's ultimately for the procreation of children, but it's also in it's also like a fun bonding act. It's fun. It you is know, fun. Like, if you so do it it's, right. that's that's not a that's doing it for that reason. If you're at the point where you can't have kids or something like that, isn't this, isn't a bad thing? Right, 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 right. If an elderly couple mar- if married wants to continue to express their love, absolutely, he's allowed to use Cialis or other things like that. I would recommend him talking to his doctor. And getting a prescription rather than going to a gas station and buying boner juice <laughs> or a horny horny toad weed or whatever it's called those things in the gas station <laughs> stalls. Have you seen those? Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, we're just like, what 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 society are we in right now? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> My buddy uh, was telling us the other day. He said he was in the store and his six year old son goes, "Daddy, what is that?" And immediately, you know, his cheeks because it's like. Like a mud flap silhouette of a woman, you know, and it's like uh, horny toad weed or whatever. Yeah. And then he goes, uh, just forget it. It's time to worry about it. And he goes, is that pornography? And he's like, sort of, but not. Oh, God, this is so But weird. it's the result <laughs> of a pornographic uh, culture, so I don't know. Like, like, Well, son, it's the result of the patriarchy. What? Just kidding. Son, <laughs> to really understand this, you need to read Brave New World. So let's just, let's just get this over with. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get this over with. Chapter one. Mm, Brave New World. Soma. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. Soma is all of that. Um, yeah, man. If you're married, then you have given conjugal rights to one another. Your body is not your own, right? It's beautiful. If you're elderly, it is st- well, it's less beautiful, but it's still good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. For more now, on wait. this, see our episode, Old People Sex, the highest, <laughs> the most downloaded episode in Catching Fox's history. Whoopsies. <laughs> we should call this Old People Sex Part Two. Yeah. Oh, man. How to funny. Kill a Career by Luke, Carey, and Michael Gormley. <laughs> Did your podcast just get mentioned by Bishop Barron on a thing? So now all of a sudden, all these people are going to go and um, download it, but you didn't know it was going to happen, and then you had an episode called Old People Sex, where you talked about old people having sex out in public in a retirement area? <laughs> If so, so, your name is Luke Carey and Michael Gormley. <laughs> I forgot that that was the thing that actually Did you probably it? leave tens of thousands of dollars on the table when you did that? You sure did, you dumbasses. <laughs> See, I will and, never forget and, being in line. The upload had been out for three hours, and typically at that point in time, uh, this has changed a bit because of um, COVID, but we still get around the around around the same numbers. But we'd have like three hours or so where we'd get from like one to five, like one thousand or so. We had ten thousand in three hours, and I remember being in line going, "What the hell is happening? Why this episode? We had ten thousand in a day, which I was just like, what is happening? Oh my gosh, is this because of the Baron tweet? Oh my gosh." That is so funny. My brain did not put all of those together until now. Yeah, I was flipping Well, now out. old people know how to have sex. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're welcome, America. Yeah. You're welcome, Sun City, Arizona. <laughs> Let's go do a live show. You're welcome, greater parts of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> High five, Palm Springs, California. <laughs> all right, going back to the first question for you, Luke. If you were to imagine me in a sexy costume, what, what would it be? Mm. <laughs> or or role playing, just not between me and you, but between. So like, Superman, you think I would be a good Superman? No, you'd be doing the whole like college Kent. professor student thing. Oh, col- oh, I can get a pipe and a tweed jacket. Exactly. Excuse me, you have to stay late, and then I puff on the pipe for and class. We need, and we need to get married first, so it's legal. So that's what yeah. legal, so it's moral. Because I'm a theologian. <laughs> in this, you know, and, then, and then, like, five seconds into the role-playing scenario, I'm like, so you see, the uh, processions within the Godhead, <laughs> in the Greek church, they call them energies. In the West, we have no notion of energies. Uh, but my lady, if you hang on to the end of this class, you will know. That I need Cialis for energies. And then I brought back both questions. Now you're ready for rule number three? Or question number three? <laughs> right before things start, you go, I've got to go. There's a, there's a, there's a treasure I must steal because it belongs in a museum. Put on an Indiana Jones hat and leave <laughs> through the window like he used to do. The, Nazi, the Ark of the Covenant. These Nazis in suits just walk in. <laughs> Where is Mr. Indiana Jones? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So I'm a professor who also is a treasure hunter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Luke, do I have a whip? No, we're done. We're done. <laughs> Question number three. You ready? Eighty moves across the streams. <laughs> Yeah, no, I could see you as a Ghostbuster. The Bill Murray. <laughs> we named the dog Indiana. <laughs> we named the dog Indiana. <laughs> Jehovah begins with an I. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then I'd go, so Shannon, the word Jehovah is actually a famous German mistranslation of the Tetragrammaton. You see... Wait, hold uh, on a second. We, Before we get to this next part, I just need to call up uh, um, Luke. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Hello? Luke, yeah. Um, 
The repentant man shall pass. The repentant man shall pass. The repentant man shall kneel before God. Kneel before God. Nails. Just hang up. And then I, and then you say, and in this scenario, your wife is God. And then I giggle, and then we hang up. Okay. Uh, question number three. It's a, a legit there. question. There's a lot there. Okay. Are you ready, Luke? I need yeah, your yeah. rules here. Yeah. We, you gotta you gotta put on your moral theologian hat. Boing. It's okay. it, it size eight because my head is gigantic. Whoa, that's a fitted cap. Sorry, they don't give those away for free at the ballpark. Okay. Sure don't. Rules for sex outdoors. Hmm. Luke Gregory Carey, moral theologian. What are the rules for sex around the great outdoors? I rule would number one. S- oh, sorry, go ahead. No, rule number one. And then you fill in the well, rule. I, I would say, obviously, no people should be able to see. Okay, so you're not in public, though you're outside. No looky-looky, okay? No looky-looky. Yeah, like if like if you and your spouse are, like, you know, on a trip in the cabin in the woods, there's no one around, like, I don't really see anything wrong with that. Okay. What about the Googles, though? What about the Googles? You know, with the stuff in the sky, and they're doing the map stuff, and... Mm. What so you CIA need a good, you need a, okay, okay, so rule number two, make sure the forest that you're making love in has a good canopy of, of, uh, of brush, right? There's a good canopy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, good canopy. So you, now we got to pay attention to predator drones and eyes in the sky and Elon Musk satellites. Okay, <laughs> good canopy. Okay, got it. Rule number three. Um, rule number three. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you do, Luke. Tap into that deep interior moral theologian. I have no idea. What would you say? Right, well, let me let, well, let me ask you some clarifying questions. No, Luke, this is about oh, you. Sorry. Let sorry. me ask you some clarifying questions, and we'll just kind of explore it. Okay. What is more holy, a forest or a jungle? Well, a jungle has fun and games. But also snakes. Like a lot. But a forest has like liz- like a ju- uh, sorry, but a forest has bears. Mm-hmm. Bears can smell the menstruation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say I would be more. I would probably, if you had to choose, choose a forest because you just like like the like jungles has just way more animals. Tigers gonna come up and kill you. You're, you know, you're not gonna be paying attention to what's really going on. You got to be a little bit more on the defense when you're in, in a jungle. Yeah, that's exactly my thought. You're always on defense now, but. In a forest, though, you probably don't want to be too far from your house if a bear comes, though. Okay. okay. Have you ever seen a bear out in the wild? Yes, and it is terrifying. It is. I've seen it one time, and it was out. We were in a car, and it just ran out in front of us. We were driving back from a party, and a few of us had been drinking. The person who was driving was was not. The bear just runs out, and we all just stopped talking. And there's like maybe a period of three seconds of almost a silence, and Scott just goes. A fucking bear! <laughs> like that. <laughs> Where did you see a bear? It was uh, a camping trip. They were Ooh, so uh, in the in the. They were small bears. I don't know the name of the bears. If I would call them a name, I would call them a black bear. But when I called it a black bear, the person who knew about bears was like, "That's not a black bear. Come on!" And I was like, "Oh, okay." It was a bear that was black in the woods at a retreat campsite. And it was, they just were roaming for food, and then they walked away. But it, it was like, you're just, 
It's just me and a sliding glass door separating me from. Oh, okay. Uh, so you weren't outside or anything. You were inside. No, no, no. I was inside sliding glass door of the cabin. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Separating me from the wilderness. Ew. Um, Christina was on a hike one time and with her dog, and like a, she saw they came across a bear. She just grabbed her dog. They just kind of, like, the bear. Threw it at the bear. Just, Take it, no, not me. Oh, poor Prudence. No way. She, she could never do that. Oh, no, bear Prudence. I'm so nice. <laughs> I'm so beta. <laughs> Prudence is the most beta dog that's ever existed. Like, she will just let the kids just climb all, all over. And you can tell that she, like, doesn't want them to. She's like, Jude, please stop. Okay, no. I'm going to pull on my ear. Oh, I need these ears to hear. <laughs> Prudence needs his back. She's getting kind of old. No, okay, now you're on my back. Okay, now pulling on the head again. Ow. I have no thumbs. Um, <laughs> the most baited dog ever. But uh, I want to say, I can't remember what, how she, somehow she was able to get out of the line of sight or like, you know, or whatever, just get the hell away. But uh, man. I, I feel like you're dodging the question with obfuscation and stories of friends. Have you ever had sex in the wilderness? No. No. Have you? No. You uh, You have. But no one gomer. was around. You dirty gomer. <laughs> we were in a tree fort. You dirty gomer. <laughs> <laughs> I built it with my own two hands. <laughs> and I built this tree fort. Now let us have sex. And what? We were here for 20 minutes. I came here at night. I left at three in the morning every night. I prayed to DMC, and with my bare hands, I built this Frosted McLovin. <laughs> I made this love tree fort after watching countless YouTube videos so I'd get it exactly perfect. There are LED lights in here. It's romantic. Now let me use my iPhone and Wi-Fi in order to customize the LED setting and temperature. Oh, I watched this one video and said in the appropriate color temperature of the lights. Beep, boop, pop, boop, beep, pop, beep, beep. Siri, turn on all my sexy color lights. Right? No. <laughs> uh, then it just it just gets dark and it plays that Warren Chevelle song that we like. It's like, it's like, no, not my Luke lights, my sexy lights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the... Uh, the you can't blame me. We had two claw-footed uh, pedestal bathtubs uh, out in the forest. We were actually filming a Cialis ad that aired on Fox News, and we were both just taking a bath outside. And I thought, why not have sex? Hmm. And, you know, that, like that's a running joke that Cialis ads all have pictures. Like in every commercial, there was like an elderly couple in the woods in bathtubs. Like they had these, like, yeah. It was always the weirdest part. They were always in bathtubs. And they, it was like, and they would hold hands. And it's like I don't understand the bathtub thing at all. But it was every commercial, and it was on Fox News all the time, all the time. Yeah, it really was. Like, like why the bathtubs? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it gives the allure of something sexual and nakedness happening without having to do the bed sheet thing, you know? Yes, but just why bathtubs? So weird. If anyone has ever heard, if anyone knows why, please let us know at patreon.com slash cf. That's patreon.com slash cf. Yeah, I think, uh, so one of the persons, uh, Nat, down in our Patreon would be, wouldn't the only rule on sex outside be not causing scandal, right? Yeah, that's pretty much what I meant. Innocent bystanders who were just out for a day's hike, and all of a sudden they see my fat body running with a Reagan mask on through the woods. <laughs> Tear down this wall! <laughs> uh, 
the 80s will truly come back when that moment happens. <laughs> All of a sudden, the multiverse breaks and... We realize that we are, in fact, this is the culmination of the darkest timeline. <laughs> Someone just stumbles across you standing butt-ass naked with a <laughs> jukebox over your head. <laughs> Wearing a Reagan mask by the treehouse right there. Why are you ignoring me? Why are you ignoring me? You always ignore me when I put on the Reagan mask in the forest with the, with the boombox. You always ignore me. I have needs, woman. Yep. Oh gosh, it's so funny. <sighs> Do you think couples who are newly married should put uh, doing it in the woods uh, as one of the first things on their to-do list? I mean, why would you not? I mean, I don't know. I think people are scared of it. Uh, I'm scared of it. Uh, I mean, just the just the amount of rashes that could happen by being out there. Imagine poison ivy. Ooh. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you're not coming away without poison ivy. You're not. You're not. And you're going to get it in the worst place. You know what? Just get a hotel. Go to a Holiday Inn. You're fine. <laughs> hotel, motel, Holiday Inn. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. So, Luke, did you bring any topics to the table? <laughs> I did, but it's going to sound weird after this one. Uh, I have one more topic. Just tell me if you want to go next or you want me to go next. Let, let me go next, and then, then, we'll, then we'll go back to you. Okay, I'm excited. So, I'm folding my sheet in half so that I can see my topic, and uh, we're good. All right, friends, let's take a moment to talk about CMF Curo. Now is a great time to learn more about CMF Curo as a Catholic healthcare option for your family. You can join any time throughout the year. Plus, you'll experience an authentic Catholic community that actually cares about your whole health, spirit, mind, and body. CMF Curo members share medical burdens in community, have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, health and spiritual resources, and more. Since 2014, this pro-life Catholic healthcare ministry has partnered with leading health-sharing ministries to provide an affordable alternative to medical insurance consistent with Catholic teachings on life. CMF Curo is part of the Christ Medicus Foundation, CMF, a Catholic 501c3 nonprofit founded in 1997, dedicated to sharing the love of God in healthcare through defending religious freedom in healthcare and building Christ-centered Catholic healthcare options that serve the church, the laity, and the poor and the vulnerable. You can check them out on social media on either Facebook or Twitter at CMF Curo, or the website is mycatholichealthcare.com, or click the link in the show notes. Thanks to our friends at CMF Curo for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. So we went to Starbucks this afternoon. Uh, Everly wasn't feeling so good, but we wanted to just get out of the house for a bit. So we're like, hey, let's just go to Starbucks. We won't really be by anyone, but we'll be, you know, we'll do our thing. And um, now Everly doesn't have um, COVID or anything. We, I'm not sure what's going on with her, but... Uh, because Aaron got a test and came back, oh, I'm negative. I'm like, so obviously, yeah, I mean, if if Aaron were to have it, she would have it, or or mm, vice yeah. versa, obviously. So, what are her symptoms? Oh, she just had, she just got like a temperature out of nowhere. I can just tell oh, okay. she you know. So, uh, it was kind of a game time call. I was like, well, we got to get out because it's driving us nuts. So we just went on a walk and uh, swung by the Starbucks, and uh, um. There was a thing on the Starbucks. There was like a picture of like an employee of the month kind of thing. And it had the and it was it was more just trying to show like, hey, here's our employees. Like here's some cool facts about them. I think it was a really good idea. The picture of this person was not good, but you could tell the person was like trying to make it not look good. Like it just and it's kind of this thing with Gen Z. Have you ever heard of heroin chic? Yeah, 
you know, so you just like the, the idea is to like look terrible. Uh, Pete Davidson's, you know, into that, and people apparently, apparently are like that, according to Sarah Rogers. So, um, I see this like this picture that this person chose to use was not flattering at all. In fact, it was very much like, like I'm miserable. Was like kind of the tone of the picture. And I remember having this thought of like, being miserable is not a personality, oh. but we've kind of made it one. And I was like, is this a new thing? And I was like, no, because this kind of goes back to the 90s. It's a Gen whole, like, win- It's a solid Gen X thing, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, now, I'm sure there are deeper roots to it than just that. But um, I don't know. I, I just, and I, I'm always cautious about bringing stuff up on the podcast where it's like, hey, let's just crap on this cultural thing. Well, here's a bad thing. But I, I do think there's something about um, it's important to share your suffering with people, to share what's going on. Because, again, why burn poor and lonely? I think it's really, really key. But there's this other part to it where it's just kind of, it just seems a little unselfish almost. It's just weird where it's just like, yeah, okay, so you're like a really like, you know, you're not happy with your life, clearly. Or, or, or I don't know. Like what, what's what, – what, there's nothing that's interesting about it. It just comes across as being kind of selfish. I'd be curious to get your, your take on that. Well, so picture – one, I want you to go back to the Starbucks and take a photo. Uh, just so I can fully understand. So the photo is of a Starbucks employee, like a barista. Yeah. And it's meant to highlight them. And it's the person just looks awful. Like, is this not like a close-up like, of their face? Yes. It's like way too close-up. They're like lying down on a bed trying to look all on the serious and stuff. But they just look weird. And I'm like, there's no way this isn't intentional. The employee photo is them laying down in a bed? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it seems like, I mean, they're laying down on something and they're just taking a selfie. Okay. And it's not a flattering image of their face at all. And I'm not saying they need to be looking good, but I'm, I'm like, wouldn't you want to look not even your best, but just presentable? If they're going to highlight you and it's just you being like, oh, it's kind of like, what? Like I I, I, mm. I don't know. It's it's just it was it struck me as being just really really odd that I'm supposed to be interested in who this person is, and here's a picture of them just at their worst. And and I mean, and there is now there's um, I'm assuming this person like isn't I'm depressed or going through a hard time. They're just like okay, if this is what you want to do. But I, I do think there is this cultural thing to this where people um, right now almost like take joy in their awfulness. Mm-hmm. Or just their life being tough where it's like at some point in time, it's like, hey, um, maybe if you tried a little bit, you wouldn't be so miserable. And I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm not trying to put this on this person. I'm saying this was it just like this is I've started this. This is I've, I've seen this a lot. And the, all the like the dots started to kind of connect. And and I've done I'm, I've been this person before where I'm like, I need you all to know how upset I am. Mm-hmm. Um, like see 2008. To let's say you know see let's go see two thousand you know see nineteen ninety seven to two thousand and fifteen. <laughs> I have feelings, and they're sad. Yeah, and, and there, there's a point where it's like okay, we get it, and I, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's very interesting. Yeah, and I don't no, think I, it's, I, I do think it's. I think if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, right? You're not. You're not number one dogging. I feel like I have to issue disclaimers. Oh yeah, you're yeah, not yeah, yeah, dogging yeah, yeah. people who don't look a certain way or blah blah blah. No, you're no. saying people who are deliberately. Uh, it's almost like what Jesus said about when you fast, wash your face, and don't look gloomy. Yes, that's exactly it's like what people what, are what I'm intentionally. But it's not because they're doing anything meritorious like fasting. 
it's that my life sucks. FML. FML, bro. Have you heard of FML? Yeah, yeah, yeah. F my life. I, I, and I feel this way with like certain like fashions right now where like uh, the whole, like, and I'm not trying to knock anyone who's doing this, but like it's just, there's just this thing of like, hey, how like weird can I look? And not weird as in like fun, eclectic weird, you know, weird as in like, the hell are you it just it feels very adolescent. It feels like I'm trying to stand out. Like when teenagers do it, whatever. Like you know, whatever. I don't care. You're a d- teenager. This is your brain just desperately trying to establish itself. I understand that. Like fine. I'm talking like people like yeah. in your 20s, like clearly adults, just being like, I'm so miserable. <laughs> just like okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I like, think it, I, I like what you said. As uh, what was the phrase you said? It's being miserable is not a personality. Yeah. Yes. People think it is. And, and that, uh, yes. And it's, I feel like it's been this way for about 20 to 20, 20 to 30 years now. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's uh, this was my perception of it. It's the, it's not cool to care, you know, to care about anything, to care about things, care about anything. Right. It's not cool. So the, the earmark of coolness is absolute apathy i don't give an f right and i lived through this weird thing in tulsa oklahoma where eminem just started d12 eminem that i don't give a f put one of those fingers on each hand up like all that that stuff and i remember this is very much a part of drug culture where my brother Praised my brother's friend, or excuse me, uh, his friend's younger brother, who's like four years younger than me. And, uh, you know, I used to idolize my brother Chris, right? Looked up to him. And they were all in this hard rock metal scene stuff. And I remember him talking about how awesome Justin's younger brother is. And I was like, okay, why? And this kid's younger than me. And my brother is like lionizing him. He's like praising him left and right. And so what does he do? And he's like, he doesn't give a shit about anyone. Like his friends were over and he was just making fun of them the whole time. And they, when they got pissed off, he was like, why do I care? I don't care. And there was this thing that like resonated in my head. Like I'm the poster child for guy who cares too much about things. Uh, all things, not just my faith, but like all the things that could possibly be cared about. I tend to go overboard. Please see office makeover YouTube sensation. Um, but there is this el- <laughs> catching foxes. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Uh, but honestly, like there was this whole subculture that is still going of apathy as way of life. And I don't think it's just a, a substitute for a personality. I think in certain circles, it's a substitute for intelligence. Like in philosophical circles, yeah. it's like yep. the yep. non-intellectual nihilist who's like, everything's dumb, everything's stupid. And it's like, that's just because you don't want to be challenged to actually care about someone to the point that it makes you want to change. Like, that's why I think you saying that it's it's ultimately selfish and it takes a place of a personality instead of being uh, demanding someone to actually form their personality. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's it, um, that's that's a good way to put it, and I I think it just like, hmm, I, don't know, I feel like I have a thing to add, but I'm not sure what, but it's there. So let me wrestle with this for for, for just a bit, if you don't mind, sir. Yeah. We'll, we'll no. move on to your topic. Okay, so I watched the documentary on Woodstock. I'm 99. 
<laughs> the saddest of all the Woodstocks. I, know. I highly recommend watching it. I don't ag- necessarily agree with all of it. There were a few things I'm like, mm, with, I get what you're saying, but your time frame is kind of wrong. And I, I, I think you're trying to make some, there are pretty big leaps that some people make, but there are also some really interesting things that, that, they, that they brought up. Um, one was about MTV and I, that I never realized because we experienced it, but like we were, anyways, it, I'll, I'll, I'll go into that in a bit. But they were kind of saying how, okay, compare the late 90s to the early to mid 90s. You've got Kurt Cobain, you have Pearl Jam, very progressive, very active, very, very vocal about their apathy towards like, you know, um, everything, but then passionate about things that they felt um, that they deeply yeah. cared about. You know, uh, Kurt Cobain playing shows in like a dress and, all this other stuff, and you know, but I'm like, I, I get it, I get it to a certain extent. I'm I'm there with you in, in the sense of I think it was nice to get away from uh, glam rock, you know, which was like super <laughs> excessive and very misogynistic to this. I'm like, yeah, I'm you know, there's and there are certain things about it that I do um, like would be the bad word, but I'm just like, you know, like I think this was a good thing. But then, like, Kirk Cobain was just, like, a druggie. When you watch certain documentaries on him, it's, like, re- like from the time he's famous to when he kills himself, it, his life is awful. Yeah. It's really sad just hearing how out of his mind he always was. And, like, there's a story of him giving a bath to his daughter when he's on heroin that's just, like, horrific. It's just, like, it's, it's so such a sad way to live. And I honestly felt so, like, when you kind of dig into, like, a lot of rock stores' actual lives, it's just, yeah. like, that's, there's nothing glamorous. This is just, this is just kind of kind of sad and having to act like that's like better than like the like i don't like that they use this but this is basically the argument that they were trying to make in the film this kind of like frat boy uh white anger rock stuff i'm like they're they're all the symptom of, of the same thing which is like a culture and they even say like a culture with out on purpose, but they kind of frame it as their own lack of purpose because they're up because they're, they're male, white, and I'm and the middle class. So everything is okay, is okay in their lives. I'm like, I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I think the entire culture lacks purpose, so everyone feels it, and everyone experiences it and is trying to find it. And some will try to obtain that through power and um, and um, violence, as we've seen throughout all of, all of American all of American history. And I, I think the response to that being like defining my own own purpose and owning and owning my you know own misery and putting in everyone's face it's just so you're like deliberately turning inwards as opposed to like being outward facing like if i dress nice i'm dressing nice for the people that i'm around it's not for myself per se it's to show that i respect what's going on over here and that's such a boomer thing but there's real there's some truth to that i think and i there's some truth to um and i'm like the last person i'm you know i'm always one who's like Okay, like I get annoyed when people tell me how to dress a mask. I'm like, just because you do that, I'm wearing shorts and flip flops. <laughs> so I, I accuse myself, sir. But I do think there's this element of just like um, <laughs> physician, heal thyself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and again, I'm not talking about things like um, depression. I'm talking more about. Um, you ever had that person where it's just like in your life who just after a point in time you're, you're just like, listen, I'm not going to help you anymore unless you help yourself. Yeah, I literally was going to bring up a story of that person in my life who is perfectly that person. And they latch on. They become like energy soul suckers. And they latch on. And I watched him at my church latch onto this overly nice, caring person who tried to fix them and then just tried to befriend them and then realized they had to distance themselves from him. It was the most awkward conversation I ever had. Um, a mom who was very involved in my youth ministry program 
you know, 15 years ago said, how do I tell this person I don't want to be their friend anymore? Because they, they won't do anything. They won't help themselves. And you just see the cycle going on and on. I was like, because they've adopted this narrative. Now, back then, I would call it a victim narrative because that's what this woman was always saying. Well, I got these problems, and my doctor found another medical issue, and I have this other thing. And you're like, listen, all of that might be true, or it all might be made up. I have met people who have worse, you know, like terminal cancer who have more life than you. Like, I don't understand why you aren't saying, I I don't even know. Like, and it went on for decades. It's still going on. This person is still on the peripheries of my life. And every so often, like, uh, social media posts will uh, bubble up to the surface. And I'll see it, and I'm like, they're still pulling that same routine. You know, they're still doing – for them, though, for this one person in particular, it was – I think it's the only way they know how to relate to people. Yeah. And you know that they have wounds going all the way back to childhood. Other people, I don't know. But uh, other people, I hope not because it's easier for me to make fun of them and talk shit about them. But for this person, I always wonder, like, why is it that you don't have any other, you know, like when you're in a friendship, you have to bring something to the table. Like C.S. Lewis talks about the love of friendship as two people who stand shoulder to shoulder and they're ordered towards some common good. And there are some times like, you know, like right now in my life and at times you and your life where your friend, you're not just shoulder to shoulder, but you got to have your arm underneath, you know, up in their armpit, like carrying them along because they're limping. <laughs> I can't them. carry it for you, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. exactly the samwise gamgee act or as i call it the samwise gamgee project the real hero of the of the lord of the rings according to J.R.R. tolkien is gollum just kidding so i'm just kidding (laughs) but like but that's how you become gollum though yeah is you don't do that you isolate yeah well and i so like i um uh there's a big difference between you know um um like someone who like real mental health issues, and um, I'm trying to be careful here. Not like I'm gonna name names, and or not yeah, or yeah, like yeah. tell use examples that like, that like we know to provide a common ground here. But then it would like be very obvious to a lot of people who we are talking about. So th- there's a big difference between like extreme mental health issues and just like come on, dude. You know, and and like it's different for everyone. Like some people are just better at persevering than others. Doesn't mean that yeah. you shouldn't yeah. try to cultivate it though. But it doesn't mean that it looks the same for for everyone either. And I remember, uh, surprise, surprise, going through a breakup, talking with a therapist about it. This is when I was pretty young. And the therapist just saying, I don't want to see you in five years and still being in, in, in this state. And I was like, why would I still be in this state in, in five years? And then in hindsight, I'm like, I very much could have still been in that state for five years. I was in it much longer than I thought I was going to be because I didn't realize what turning inwards that much does to you. It it becomes this self obsession, and you become Gollum. Like you become obsessed with your pain, and you, like think of the uh, think of um, uh, my favorite part of uh, the Great Divorce. I think I, I've I haven't read it since my freshman year. But uh, when you have the woman who dies, and her son who died goes and um, he greets her, and she doesn't recognize him because she's like, "My son is dead," and just can't get over the fact that her son is dead. And he's, she, she's so obsessed with it, she's unable to see her son because her, her pain has become her god. And I just think that in our culture, we because there's a lack of 
gods or gods, uh, we just we create our own. Uh, and so it's that can be your pain. I think that's kind of I feel like that um, picture. It just reminded me of that. I'm not saying that's what this person was doing. I have no idea. There could be some real issues going on there. But I just yeah. couldn't believe that when you wanted to highlight yourself, you that was the picture that you. I mean, it was like just this person didn't. I mean, like putting their face in a way where it's like you just like not a good angle. You know, like it just there are ways to like. I, I'm not saying that everyone should like look. Because, because, like, they're right. like you have the wrong side of that, which is the, the like weird MySpace, like the the duck face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you, there, there's a there's a you put one foot slightly forward, another one slightly back. You turn your hips to the side. You suck in. You suck in your cheeks. You smile with a duck face. Yeah, and that way you look skinnier. In a pro- yeah, no, I get it. And there are photos that you take. See half of the photos we did on a various train museum place <laughs> just two dudes taking photos no big whoop i'm looking at exhausting. one right, yeah i'm looking at one right now that you put on our two dollar tier at patreon.com slash cf that's patreon.com slash cf the two dollar that's the <laughs> tier that's like the best one that we uh this is the best photo one of the best photos that came out of that i know you were much better at this than than i was Oh God! It was you so were much better. I kept wanting. Oh to no! The like call it. me maybe one, and the, I want to be more than friends. Or all those were funny too. <laughs> those were good too. Anywho, uh, I have one comment that I wanted to make, yeah, and no. then, um, and then you you had made this comment about who we are on the outward, like the social, like society and whatnot. And that's a point that um, I think is is really getting lost today. Um, I, and I I need to do a little bit more research on this, but. I was listening. No, no, no. I was. Oh gosh, I gotta find it. But it was this understanding of myself. Like p- people talk to, uh, today all the time about understanding myself, finding myself. Who am I really? And we struggle with the fact that there are so many personas, so many masks that we have to wear in society. That sometimes we adopt um, various levels of our of personality in one instance versus another. Right. So when I'm at work, I'm like this. But when I'm at home, I'm like this. And so, you know, when I'm on Catching Foxes, I'm like this. But when I'm on Every Knee Shall Bow, I'm like this. Right. So you have these these elements. And in a good way, you could say, well, these are different aspects of my personality, disciplined for the the appropriate audience. And I think that's important. I think that's important. I think that's there's wisdom there. But I would also say that the modern turn, the modern self which is conceived entirely individualistic, can't achieve individualism. It can't achieve the status of actually being a real individual in the real yeah. world. Yep. yep. Because we're told to, you're on your own. You have to do this for yourself. You have to invent, discover, refine, whatever. And because we lose that social, um, because we lose, because we devalue and de-emphasize that social component, what ends up happening is we actually go the exact opposite way and we become an, we attach ourselves to a fad and define ourselves by that fad right like and, and this is the whole point of the book um, the world beyond your head which i think is matthew crawford's most important book and the world beyond your head it, the subtitle is like how to become an individual in the age of mass culture or something like that and the idea is like it's exhausting trying to be an individual in the sense of like, I'm my own person and I'm creative and I'm going to do all this stuff. That's exhausting. And we know it. Like existentially, we feel in our bones it's exhausting. Now, his remedy for that is the trades, the crafts, 
right, to become a craftsman or a craftswoman by, like, giving yourself over to something that exists beyond your own head. That's why he calls it the world beyond your head. And he talks about, like, the most individual man on the face of the earth is the repairman because he must submit himself to these externally arranged worlds. Now, the reason why I think that's so fascinating is because his point of, like, the exhaustion that we feel in our modern culture of trying to be an individual and discover who I am, it's because we're completely rootless. Like, part of our identity used to be formed by where we came from, by our parents, by all of this stuff, by our culture, by our nationalities, all of this stuff. They used to be beautiful expressions of who I am. And... As cosmopolitans now, we're totally rootless. And this is a theme we've brought up, I I bring up all the time. But we're so rootless. Like, what does it mean for me to be, like, 75% Irish? What does that mean? Like, I don't celebrate Mm -hmm. Irish customs other than going to a bar Mm -hmm. on St. Paddy's Day. Like, what does it mean for me to be Irish? And there's this problem. Like, I don't have an attachment to the motherland. Like, I don't know what it is. When I go to Ireland, I see these gormly names on a bunch of stuff in Limerick and Galway and up in... um, In Northern Ireland, like, there's all this stuff that's at Gormley that are my, according to genealogy.com, my family, but I have no connection to them. And so I'm rootless as an American, and that's kind of the ideal. And it's like, well, then let's manufacture something. And I think think it's sad. I think it showcases, like, these people who choose to be miserable are demonstrating in, in a certain real way the unresolvability of having an identity in a world without that social feedback loop. Hmm. The social context. Interesting. Like Jordan Peterson has this phrase. He says, what if we were in this theater and there's like 6,000 people listening to him. And he said, what if one person came into this room? There's 6,000 of you. One person came into the room and then sat down in these chairs and they're in like a normal theater, right? Stage chairs. And the person sat down on their knees and faced backwards and just stared at you. Like, what would you think? If you went to a movie and instead of everyone staring at the screen, one person just stared at you the entire time. I'd be like, oh, gosh, are you one of those weird Catching Foxes fans? (laughs) Don't worry. When we do a Catching Foxes live, Gomer will talk to you for hours and I'll be (laughs) drinking with the ex-jocks because that's what always happens to Gomer. Just kidding. Just kidding. Sort of kidding. Uh, Gosh, that's so funny. But that social feedback loop is meaningful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when, when I – so here's the awkwardness, Luke. Here's the awkwardness of being a youth minister today. When I last semester had these impromptu youth group meetings before, you know, we, thank God we hired, uh, you know, three youth ministers, Shelly, Sammy, and, and PJ. But they have to deal with it. But I'm still involved in youth ministry. I'm giving all the talks for the next semester, the next year. But the amount of wildly inappropriate clothing – that women, that teenage girl, freshman girls wear to youth group, to church, to mass is a thing that I have to address that I have no idea how to address. I never thought in my entire life I would have to say, listen, I, I you have to wear shorts longer than your ass. You have to. You, ha- you cannot come to church with ass shorts. Like, but for them, the social context has so shifted that to me, for, for anyone to say that's inappropriate 
They don't even have a reference for that. This is the liquid modernity. They don't, they don't even have a reference for that. And it's like, yeah, this is what's changing. When society changes and becomes liquid, all of these things that are permanent, I don't even define myself in reference to them. That's part of that, you know, like what does it mean to be formal? Does it mean to be, like, I, I know there are some people who do not know the difference between beautiful and sexy or handsome and sexy. For men, it's different. But damn. End scene. Oh, my gosh. Did you know that now the new thing is that uh, kids aren't uh, having their first kiss. They're having their first experience of giving or receiving oral sex before their first kiss. Yeah, how dumb is that? I mean, that showcases to you that we have so instrumentalized the human person that, uh, I mean, okay, so that, that's, a, that's a line from a movie, The Story of Us, with Bruce Willis and um, Michelle Pfeiffer. I haven't seen it in years, but I remember watching that movie and just saying, this is the theology of the body in a secular movie because it's about a husband and wife who no longer love each other. And every time they would fight, at the end of the night when they were in bed and they weren't talking, he would find her feet under the covers and she would let him. And then in the morning, things would go back to normal. And it was this interesting way of how their bodies navigated their relationship. And at one point, I can't remember... See, now, now my brain's starting to fracture, and I don't know if it was this movie, but I'm pretty sure it was this movie where they said, the woman said, oh, I'll go down on him, but I won't make out with him. Or, like, I'll let him have sex with me, but I won't make out with him mm-hmm. when I'm in a fight. And it's like, see, like, in a weird, perverse way, that is expressing the theology of the body. You're like, well, I'll give you these lower parts of me so you can just get off and be done, but I don't want our faces to connect because that's where I reveal who I am, right? I think that's a, that is so fascinating. I watched Woodstock um, 99, the um, documentary. I, I re- Especially if you were alive, if, you, if you're our age, if you're in your um, mid to late 30s and you were in high school when Woodstock um, 99 happened and you were in college or you kind of remember it, I recommend um, watching it. It's super fascinating, especially to take a look at that time. And one thing, okay, so do you remember from Woodstock on the 99, there's this image where Carson and Daly is, like, broadcasting on the first day live from there, and people start to, like, they're, like, tossing on the mud app on, they're, they're tossing on the mud up at him while he's in this booth. And he's trying to dodge it, and the crowd's clearly hostile to him. This is on the very first day. He's like, Woodstock, I'm 99, yeah. And he gives like a rock and roll. You can tell he's just like, oh, crap, this kind of sucks. They're throwing, like, heavy mud at me. Um, do you remember that? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. So I, I distinctly remember, like, um, when I, I saw that, and I've always thought that's people just, you know, being dumb because it was live TV. There's someone doing that. And they actually say one of the things that was weird about that was the initial hostility the crowd had to MTV. And I was like, wait, why? And the whole thing was so like the bulk of people who were there, they're, you know, um, a college age or like right out of high school or their early 20s. They're all like, you know, like 18 to say 22, which means that they would have been born in like the late 70s, early, like early, um, early 80s, your wife's age, if you will. And um, <laughs> they were saying how one reason why people got mad at MTV was they experienced it from going to this countercultural fun thing that they all liked to yeah. being more about, more about like boy bands and stupid pop stuff. Yeah, to being corporate. And which is interesting. Yeah. To because it was always this kind of like, you know, like it was it was like it was kind of a, a, um, a rebellious thing where in the beginning you had stuff like. You you know had the real world, which was still an, an exploitive type of a show, but it uh, 
did try to tackle some heavy issues, and then it was you know in the later um, 90s, early aughts, where it's like, let's just get them drunk a lot and just uh, see what happens. And that they were angry about that shift, that how yeah. like MTV went from this cool thing to this sort of like, oh my gosh, now it's now it's not for us. Now it's for my l- little sister who was in um junior high. She was in um junior high, so it went from being a thing for people who were in like high school or even in or like um, high school, like college age, to you know again. Uh, basically 12-year-old girls, which, if you recall, when we got to college, we never watched MTV hardly ever except for, like, stupid uh, reality shows like The Newlyweds or different things like that that we thought that were kind of, you know, like a fun thing we all um, got into. But it wasn't on all the time. And apparently it was back in the day. And they were saying people were really were, were like really angry about that. I thought that was kind of interesting because I was just – I was of the age where I didn't see the shift happen. I was just kind of, like – when I when I would have got into MTV and that I'd already kind of gotten into MTV when I was in junior high school, but it it in it, it like it kind of changed with me. So I wasn't really into the pop stuff, but I didn't really know anything other than what MTV was at that moment in time. Yeah, and so I didn't see it do this huge kind of a shifting because I was developing like I wasn't really old enough to experience that. And I just I and I, I just never realized when they threw the mud at like um, Carson uh, on what's his name that they were actually angry at him for what MTV had become, and he was the embodiment of all of that. I thought they were just being douchebags, which they were, but I thought they were being douchebags just to just to be I'm a douchebag, which is kind of this huge. It's it, and for me that was kind of an interesting thing to unpack because it's a huge part of like my adolescence that I never quite understood until that moment mm. in time that I had experienced because I was too busy being a part of it as opposed to like witnessing it. If that makes sense. Yeah, you, so, you were like too close to understand it because you were yeah, in the middle of it. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, super interesting though. I just thought that was really interesting. And where can people find this? Uh, uh, H- HBO Max. Ah, okay. Plot twist, HBO Max. Which we have because uh, Aaron likes so We I don't remember why we got it, and then we've, just, we've kind of uh, kept it. It's not, it's uh, a, we it's all a know t- why you got it, Luke, and we all know why Aaron wanted it. It's for the Mortal Kombat movie. Stop <laughs> pretending it was for Godzilla vs. Kong. It was the Mortal Kombat movie. No, I think it was Wonder Woman 2 we got it for that, for Christmas. Oh, yeah. And, no, that was it. We talked about that, yeah. And then we there's another movie that we watch and it's it's there's just enough on there that we're like okay like they have a lot of um, classic stuff which I like but the they app do. is horrific the yeah. app is so bad so which is bad. funny because HBO uses I believe they use MLB at bat as their background MLB at bat was the first sports franchise that did streaming online streaming correctly. And HBO tried to do it. And remember when everyone tried to stream the latest episode of Game of Thrones, their servers crashed for like three days. So HBO Max is their move to that whole entire new platform. It's funny. MLB at bat is like uh, Amazon Web Services for online streaming of massive, um, you know, things like television channels. Hmm. MLB. Yeah. They figured out how to do it right. It's so funny. So funny. Man, you had a great comment in there that stuck in my head, and I wanted to mention something, but I can't remember. Uh, Oh, guess what? Guess who was... So you know how me and Shannon are on this community kick? Yes. Oh, the show. Yes. We're watching the show. The show community. Uh, Potlucks? Okay, whatever, weirdo. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the television show community. So Shannon's never seen it. 
me and uh, Jonathan Alexander and Brian Kelsch, we used to talk about it all the time. But I never saw all the episodes. They were the ones that watched all the episodes. I saw a lot, but not all of them. And uh, so we're going through season after season. And it is so funny. And the level of humor and subtlety, I'm finally starting to see, like, the subtle thing. Like, when I watch an episode, I'm like, oh, I remember this. And I remember the plot. Now I'm, like, looking for the, like, subtle things yeah. that they do. Dan Harmon's a genius. He is a He's genius. A genius. It is so funny. So um, this last episode is about uh, a pillow fort war told in the style almost of like a Ken Burns Civil War documentary. <laughs> and, uh, and so it was between uh, a, a blanket fort called Blanker, Blanker, Blanketburg. That's right. Blanketburg and Pillow Town. And they ended up calling themselves. What was it? It was like. Oh, shoot. They have these hilarious names, like the United Pillows of Blanket Down or whatever. So it was really funny. Um, but he's telling the story as if it's a war brother versus brother and all that. And all of a sudden for this one episode, and I just accidentally paused it. I never look at the credits as they're coming on during the opening. And it said the Russo brothers. The Russo brothers oh, yeah. directed. Yeah, yeah. I had no or They were the executive producers of this episode and I was like that is so funny. Yep. I like and they and it was it was a, an extremely high quality episode. It was freaking hilarious. Yeah. No, they they're uh that's uh, one reason why they thought they'd be good at the Marvel stuff for how they handled a lot of stuff that was they did um on community. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's why in almost every film they've done for Marvel there's someone from community in the show. I mean in the movie Really? Yeah, so in Endgame, uh, the you are blowing my mind. Doctor Guy is the one who's at the place where Ant-Man comes back. And then <laughs> when they go back to the 1970s, the one, the one woman, uh, she's the one who's on the elevator with Captain America. Who? And then in uh, the Civil War, the person who talks to Tony after he gets off stage was on Community. And Donald Glover's in Spider-Man, but that wasn't them. Oh gosh, that's so. Okay. I don't know. Who, I don't know about the captain. I'm not sure about um, Winter Soldier, dude. That is so funny. I love that. I love it when stuff like that happens. Yeah. Where's Joel McHale? Where's his? Where's his appearance? <laughs> oh my gosh, Joel Joel McHale is the reason why I get weird people. Like we saw him do do. Oh, okay. So the Ahmad guy, I think, is in Captain America. A bit. Abed, sorry, Abed. sorry. Yeah. Well, well, what's his name? Calls him Abed because he refuses. <laughs> you're a foreigner. You're a foreigner. Abed. Um, Chevy Chase. Uh, he's in what? Which movie? Uh, he's in um, Winter Soldier. Really? Mm-hmm. What is he in that? Uh, he's one of the people. Uh, let me. I just I exited out of the window. Uh, that is hilarious. I didn't know that. Look at you. You're blowing my mind. I read a lot of stuff. I'll read a lot of things that have no points. 